So welcome to the AFT Construction Podcast today, and we have a special bonus episode for you uh, coming today on Wednesday. And we actually sat down with Renee D. from Iconic Life and also Mark LaLiberté from Construction Instruction. And for those of you that have been following us on social media, we've announced that we've been fortunate to collaborate with them on the Professional Builder Home of the Year for 2021. And this is a net zero home. This is also uh, going by the name of the Desert Comfort Experience. And this is a project where we're working with many vendors throughout the country, many sponsors that are participating in this incredible build. This is going to be a net zero home, which for the easy definition in net zero, it's a home that produces as much energy as it consumes. So in this conversation, we brought in Renee. This is the actual kickoff. We're going to be breaking ground here next month in March. It's a very exciting build. So make sure that you're tuning in on all of our social media channels, especially YouTube. We're going to be diving into a lot of the building science behind the scenes of the build itself. You know, leaning on Mark with his expertise and a lot of the information that he has to showcase, a lot of the vendors that are participating. Renee is going to be working from the iconic side, the marketing side, just showcasing to the public the benefit of net zero, of sustainability, and how all of us can do better in our home designs to make sure our homes are healthier and more sustainable. So great conversation with Renee and Mark. Hey guys, welcome back. I am Renee D, publisher of Iconic Life Magazine and host of Iconic Hour podcast. And I'm here with a very special edition today here co-hosting with Brad Levitt, president of AFT Construction, who is also the host of his own fabulous podcast, AFT Construction Podcast. And so Brad, welcome. We're co-hosts today. We are co-hosts. It's fun. I know we had you on early on in the early days with AFT Construction Podcast. And now we have Mark LaLiberté, who was also on. Nice to be on. It's great to see you both. You're amazing. Yeah, glad to have everybody here. So let me kind of set the stage for what we're doing here. So first of all, I'm excited to be co-hosting with Brad, but why are we together today? So we have joined forces on a project called the Net Zero Iconic Home, and that is also going by the name of the Desert Comfort Home. And Mark LaLiberté is the owner of that home, but also the co-founder of Construction Instruction. And so he is one of the foremost experts in the country on building science and sustainability And now he has arrived at this amazing moment where he is building his own home. And he has selected Brad at AFT Construction to be the builder of this home. And, you know, that was there's a little competition there. So congratulations, Brad. Excited that you um, were awarded this home. But we're really excited at Iconic Life to have a chance to work on this, too. So today what we want to do for all of you is talk a little bit about what is this project. And should we just kick off with what is a net zero home, Brad? Yeah, and we'll turn this over to Mark. And it's funny because Mark, I, I was fortunate being in the construction industry. I'd attended a lot of, you know, from building shows and other events where Mark was a speaker and so I was a fan of Mark. And here we are that, you know, fast forward and fortunate to have him reach out with the opportunity to work with him and partner on this project. So Mark, let's dive into this. We spoke a little bit about energy efficiency on our podcast, but for those listening for the first time, you know, what is net zero and and really what was the appeal? You know, this has changed, of course, because COVID now has changed our our entire designs, which we'll get into. But, you know, talk about the project itself. Well, you know, I think part of that is just that I've been in this, this is 35 years that I've been involved in looking at how houses work. And and it's, it's interesting in terms of its evolution. We've always needed to be 
concerned about a house's performance? Is it comfortable? Is it efficient? Is it healthy to be in? Is it aesthetically pleasing? Um, does it meet those kind of goals of long-term durability? Will it last 100 years? Those are all really fundamentals of housing in general. So we've talked about that for years. And, and over the time, we've watched this ebb and flow. You know, Energy Star was the first thing that captured energy efficiency. And now as that progressed, the U.S. Department of Energy has kind of captured the idea that a net zero house or a net zero ready house is a house that for the future allows the energy consumption to be low enough that um, an alternate system like a solar system could actually provide the uh, the ancillary energy needed that the the building doesn't consume in terms of thermal performance. So you'd say, of course, there has to be some solar to run your phone charger and your, your refrigerator, right? So that can be- And your air conditioning here in Arizona. Here, yeah. Arizona. yeah, down in Arizona <laughs> here. So, so we have to create houses that are in stunningly efficient, really durable, but the only way to do that is to really focus on how the building enclosure is more than just an enclosure. It's a place for family yep. and it's a place for comfort. And when we all open the doors or we, you know, pull inside, we want to be in a safe, healthy place. And we've learned a lot. I would say that the building science is done. I would say now it's about execution. Can we actually get the trades and the industry to follow through and do the things that make sense, right? You already know that it's put insulation in the right spot. Make the building tight because you can't control a leaky building. Put in really good systems that will operate well, and all the manufacturers make that. So now it's about let's do the right thing, and that's what we want to do with Desert Comfort is say, how do we build this beautiful house? Because people think that an energy-efficient house has to be this ugly thing with a few windows and some goofy windmill on the roof. And what we really want to demonstrate with Desert Comfort is that beauty and aesthetics are so critical to making sure that people go that I like. And you're like, yep. yeah, but plus it also doesn't consume any energy auxiliary. And you're like, oh, then I really want that. And you go, yeah, but wait, um, the indoor environment is as healthy as it can possibly be through ventilation, filtration. So someone goes, now I really want that. And all we're doing is appeal appealing to our basic needs to say, I, I don't want to be at risk to an energy issue like what's happened in Texas. What an amazing thing, right? So how do you make sure that resilience is the new term yep. in, in the world, right? How do I make my life more resilient to all the factors I can't control. So if weather is a resiliency issue, which it is, wherever you live, then how do I make those things happen? And the closer we move towards like a net zero product, all those things fall in line. Because does a net zero house can be quality and air and all that? You're like, yeah, so it's, it's really cool. So that's awesome. So I want to jump in. So especially for some of my listeners, too, who are even fairly new to this whole concept of building science, simply put, really, a net zero home creates as much energy as it consumes, right? So it's net zero, meaning non-impacting of the grid? Well, technically, um, that's a really good question. And uh, many times people think net zero, what does it really mean? So there's lots of variations in terms of what it means. But I would say the idea is that you build a building enclosure that itself can um, maintain a level of energy efficiency. They use a, 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 scare, a scale in the U.S. called, called HERS, Home Energy Rating Score. And if you get below, uh, so 100 would be the 2006 building code, and zero would be meaning you don't need any external energy. Now, it doesn't mean you have to be off-grid because you still want the grid tight in case there's cloudy days or something else doesn't work. Mm -hmm. But the strategy is that how do I uh, build a house that's got the lowest energy footprint in terms of the enclosure, the windows and the building itself? After that, all the other things that 
operate our life. You know, I, I, if my coffee maker don't work, I, I'm in trouble. Right, exactly. So I got to make sure that <laughs> yeah. thing's running. So the idea is the lower you make the building load, the fewer solar panels you need. That's be the idea. California will be at net zero in, in January of 2023 that every house, all 40,000 homes in California will have to be built to net zero. That'll be their minimum building code. Oregon is about to adopt the same thing. So if we look at building code saying, you know what, as a state, you know, California is a, a monster in terms of economics and people they can't afford to have a state totally driven by external energy sources. Right. So they go like, you know what, if we made all 35 to 40 million people somewhat more independent, maybe the energy we produce could either be sold or not so reliant. Look at what would have happened to Texas if you watched uh, Rising, he just, because he had a generator, his pipes didn't freeze. Mm-hmm. You're like, that's the resiliency issue. So net zero is nothing, it sounds fancy, but it's uh, the Department of Energy, US Department of Energy has a program called Net Zero Ready. And there's, uh, in, for, in Toronto, for example, there's 20 builders right now building net zero houses in Toronto. Across the U.S., there's probably 50 builders that are focused on nothing but net zero. But they believe it's a marketing thing, not a code thing. Hmm, and, and, yeah, and what's interesting, I mean, when you think about Arizona right now, we have an influx. We have so many people moving in Arizona. It is a desert climate. We use a lot of water. So in addition to the net zero, the energy efficiency, which we're discussing here, which you're doing, Mark, one, one thing I really like about the project is you're looking at how can we capture the rain? You know, we don't get a ton of rain in Arizona. When we do, it pours. It's the monsoons. It comes down heavy. So how do we capture that now to water the landscaping? How do we, you know, the, even though they're desert plants that can last, you know, for somewhat, you know, through very uh, tough climates, you know, the, the reality is storing that water and then using that for the drips and then watering the landscape. Well, now that's lessening our footprint on the water. Um, water consumption, which really is important in a desert climate. Yeah, it's, a, it's actually even more that we're, we have a project with a fellow named Gary Klein in California, and he's saying, have you, how many of you guys turn on your shower, and then you go make some coffee, and then you pick up, grab oh, your toast, and then awful. you come back to the shower? Now, awful. you've wasted thousands of gallons of water. There's a fellow named Gary Klein in California who said that you shouldn't waste more than a cup, and part of it is just the way in which the, the house is plumbed. So in this house, we're going to have these returns where when you turn on the faucet in less than five seconds, you'll have hot water. All that is is plumbing. It's not about pumps and all kinds of things. It's the way in which it runs. So our house has a very clean line where the plumbing lines up to make it really easy to get to. So part of it is just saying, if I could reduce water consumption just through good, efficient lifestyle. You know, you turn on the faucet and you use what you need and you shut it off. That's that's good. We got to be able to live that way. You know, Phoenix growing at 300 people a day. Mm-hmm. Trying to manage that growth is going to be, we all have to participate in that, and um, it's important. Well, we've got to start participating beca- before it becomes an even bigger crisis than it is, exactly. right? So because I can go to my faucet and the water just freely flows, that doesn't mean that I should be irresponsible with it. It means that Fair we enough. should start making some better decisions today, today so that we can be in better shape for the future. And Great so I think that's really part of what this whole mission is, is to talk about what some of those decisions are that we can all be making, and then hopefully... As we take all of our listeners and social media followers and readers and things like that along with us on this year-long journey talking about this whole thing, that we provide some education, some inspiration, and maybe some motivation to make some changes. But, you know, I think there are even people who want to make changes and just don't even know what to do. So I hope that, you know, our collaboration over the next year is going to be really substantial in providing that information to get people you know, informed so that they can be making some great decisions at home too. So, and that's why we're excited to have you on Renee, because with Iconic, what we can do is now document. So Renee's going to be publishing, you know, monthly to, you know, tutorials, editorials on the entire project. We're going to be doing a lot of YouTube, Mark and I, because not only from just the overall goal here of, of building that zero home in the desert and being very sustainable, 
but also there's the technical side, which a lot of people do want to understand because as Mark mentioned, you know, we, we, we've done building science. We understand building science, but the reality is to get that from design and understanding to impl- implementation and installation, that's the hard part. Getting the vendors on board, getting the, the install crews on board, that educational side. And so we're grateful that Mark, who's going to be very involved on a day-to-day basis, is going to be out there with us as we're instructing the crews on how to do the installs, you know, for the windows and the flashing and the waterproofing. You know, this will be an ICF house, which is great with SIPS trusses. And so, you know, we're going to show a, a complete uh, journal, if you will, of the entire bill through yeah. YouTube, which people can follow along uh, through our YouTube channel and then really see how this is built, which hopefully we can now use to train others around the country and others, especially here in Arizona, to start doing this more often. Yep. Yeah, Renee, your comment about, you know, we often as, as just a society, we wait for crisis management, right? Right. So I guess your, your comment was, was really right on the money is to say, so if we know that we've got these issues, you know, energy and water and stuff and, and air quality as well, how do we just manage that now? Should we think about it and go, you know what, is there anything I could do so that when a collective group of millions in Arizona just alone do a really positive approach to that, people are going to go, wow, it wasn't painful because we all think we have, have to sacrifice. You're like, actually, if you just make great choices, they don't feel like sacrifices. And in the end, you go like, you know what, I didn't even know that I did that for that benefit, but it sure felt good to do something that really made a positive impact. At the same time, I get to truly enjoy this and it was a good investment. So I think that's part of that strategy. How do we, how do we as a society not wait for the government to do it or someone else to do it? Let's just find out what's a really great idea and let's see if we can follow through. And you know, your comment about the trades is the greatest challenge we have, right? I've, I've uh, been doing this for so long, I've had people go, well, you know, I've been doing that for 30 years this way, so I think it's the best way. And you're like, yeah, nothing's <laughs> changed in 30 yeah. years, so let's just stay with yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> so, so it's a little hard to change people, but we'll get there. Well, and I think, um, Brad, your point about educating builders, you know, if you think who really needs to know how to build sustainable and net zero and environmentally friendly homes, right? It's got to start with the builders. It's also got to start with the architects, right, who are making the designs. Um, It then needs to absolutely be supported by the clients and the homeowners, because if they don't care, then it's a it's a why bother. Right. And so, you know, we've really got to have an impact at all different levels. Otherwise, it's not going to work. You can have a builder like you who's super fired up about doing this and you can have a client that says, "Mm, not so not so excited about it. So we've really got to take a look at it from a 360 standpoint and, you know, inspire everybody. Well, here's the advantage of having you at Iconic, Renee, is that, you know, the more, you know, I speak with builders around the country and they always say, well, Brad, how do you get that client that really is concerned about sustainability, about energy efficiency or building science home? Because the reality is there is some more cost involved. It's not apples for apples. There are some other elements to the build, you know, that are upgrades per se. But what I found is that as we discuss this more, as we educate the public, you know, the clients are watching, they're listening. There are a lot of people that are interested in how can they make, you know, less of a carbon footprint, less of, you know, be more sustainable for their investment. And, and people are willing to invest in that. And so the more we can educate them and show them, you know, and have them tune into a project such as this, well, now now we've caught their eye, right? Yeah. We've caught their attention and, and they're more inclined to ask questions and maybe do this on their next home. I have a client that was watching our video on ICF and he said, Brad, what's ICF? Why am I doing wood frame? Why can I do ICF on, on my house? And so the more we educate the public, the more that they're going to gravitate to this and it doesn't have to be mandated by the government, as Mark mentioned. Yep. So I want to ask a question. So um, we all know, and I think a lot of people assume, just like you mentioned, that there is potentially going to be an increase in cost, an increase in cost to produce this kind of a home. But then there's also savings too. So can you walk us through, you know, where the prices go up a little bit, but where some of the savings come in as well? 
Yeah, and I'll take that one. And I think it's a great question, Renee, because I think we, you know, part of what Brad has to do is he has to make a decision saying, do I want to build a house that has any levels of inferiority to, to the performance attributes? He's those, my name's on the bottom. It says Brad Levitt, AFT, and my team. And he's got to say, boy, if it's not comfortable, that's going to come back on me. If it's not healthy, that kind of comes back on me. So what do I need to do? Um, and just on the comment you made a second ago, I was going to share with you that uh, we're exposed to some of the largest national builders in the country. We have just heard that four or five of the largest national builders are getting pressure from their boards to say, what are you doing to improve the, the, the sustainability of your company? Because we appreciate that you build a lot of houses. That's cool. But are you doing anything to change that parameter? And I think that the consumer is saying, you know what, if I could do something and it wasn't too expensive, I would do that. So what about cost? I think you could validate this is that when someone doesn't know what they're doing, they add money. So I've been doing this for a long time, seeing that we can do it in Toronto, for example, with the builders there for no additional cost. And what has to happen is that if I make the house more efficient, what gets to be less? You go, well, the HVAC system, the heating and ventilation system, which can be eighty, ninety thousand dollars And you're like, well, if I can get it to be less mechanical systems, does that help offset? Now, at a price point and a complexity of what we're building, you can't do that. We're, we're doing triple glazed windows. We're putting insulation under the slab and in the walls and in the roof. So we're spending definitely more to do that. But that's a choice that I'd make. But I'd say, what is the baseline house can't be minimum building code? Because minimum building code is just that. In some countries, they all say it's an insult to build to code. Code is not the pinnacle. Oh, I made it to code. You're like, nice job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's the bottom. You, yeah, it's the bottom. <laughs> yeah, they call it the worst house you can build is, is one that just made code. But not, not so much anymore. The code's gotten pretty progressive. But I would say that if you build a house a bit above code, you can do it for, let's say, uh, 10% more maybe 15% more. It's really gonna depend upon how we look at the levels of, 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 of change. For example, in Arizona, you could probably get by with really good double glazed windows and not have to go to triple. But I'm looking at this house being a 100 year old house, even though 100 year life house that I won't be here that long, I sure want the next people who get this house go, wow, um, 20 years from now, the price of electricity is up three times. I'm so glad whoever built this did that. So I'm kind of thinking about what legacy can I leave legacy. for a product on the on the land that it isn't a, it isn't a temporary product? It's a product that lives there for generations. How many families will live in that house? So that the choice I made to put insulation under the slab, which can never be done again, ever, as long as the house should live, does that make sense to do it now? And you're like, yeah, it's the only time to do it. When would I do really good flashing of the windows? You go, you only have one chance. When would I put in good air quality systems? And you're like, well, when you build the house. I've got to have the ducks that are buried in the ceiling. So to me, these are fundamental choices that we make. And clients say, if you said to a client, um, I could give you good air quality or, or not. Uh, it's now not in the building code. I don't have to give it to you, but I kind of think you should. A homeowner would go, well, now I'll just build the code. And you'd go, oh, no, you're going to put it in anyway. So you just say, what we do is we build a house that's incredibly efficient, very healthy, and that's what we build. And, and we might be a little more than another builder, but you're going to find this to be the most comfortable, quietest, healthiest house you've ever lived in. Somebody goes, yeah, that's what I want, right? So I, I think the cost is, is an issue. It's not exorbitant. It's, um, it's uh, a more, but it isn't a lot more. And like you just said, does that offset my energy cost? You're like, boy, if I went to net zero. In Arizona, we have people with $500 a month electric bills. Or more. Or yeah. more. Yeah, 500 is kind of a, a mediocre mm -hmm. bill. It's a good month. It's a good month. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, yes, I, it, must be, it must be September or October. But I would say that, let's say that you saved um, $5,000 a year. 
in energy costs, which is easy to do if you have a, a larger home. If you amortize that and, and, and put the math to it in terms of interest, you'd say, so what do I need to spend on my front side to avoid that cost later on? At $3 a thousand, you should spend $25,000 to improve the performance because at that low cost of money, there's not a better investment that there is because every single month, every year, the house continues to pay itself back. And nothing else you do does that. So that's the one thing. You, if that's a return on investment, if you go, boy, I'm making 5% of my house every month because it just pays me to not use energy, you go, well, that's a good deal. Um, so I think those are really simple things. It's not just doing the right thing for the planets, your pocketbook, your health, and uh, and and future company and future people. So I think it's good. Yep, and I love that you are thinking about this as a hundred year home, mm -hmm. thinking about what happens next. Because really, you know, what sort of responsibility do we owe the planet at more than to put, you know, good buildings, you know, to be the how when we change the planet, are we changing it for better or for worse? You Correct. know. Yes, exactly. Well, so many homes were built at a low standard in Arizona. I mean, it's really sad. I mean, I look at homes that were built in the '90s and early 2000s and. Even earlier, and they're just built. They have issues. They have mold. They're, you know, the waterproofing. You know, the framers were installing the windows, and they put no flashing, and they're all leaking. And the issue is, these are homes that are scraped. So now you're affecting landfills. You're affecting everything else. And so, why not have, you know, with with Mark's goal here is you're building a home that's sustainable. It's going to last a long time. And there's still ways to do that with a beautiful design, beautiful architecture that will stand the test of time. That has good bones. And you're putting the investment there for the future. And so, it not only impacts the day to day of Mark and his lifestyle. And, and him and his family, but it's also going to impact families to come and landfills and anything. And if we multiply that exponentially, and people will, will see that messaging, they, they gravitate to that. And, and I found the more that we have these discussions and we're out there in the industry speaking with other clients, you know, they're seeing that and saying, you know what, maybe, you know, I can still have a nice range. I can still have nice cabinetry, but maybe I'm not worried about the $50,000 range. Maybe I want to put a little bit more in, you know, ICF or in, in the design itself and in, in the foundation. And so then that way, you know, we have something that's going to be built to last. Yeah, I think if you look at replacing a counter, you know, if you went from, um, you know, this type to that type, and you could say, you know what, I can I can replace it in five years when I've got a little bit of a better opportunity that's going to be mainly the cost of replacing the, 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 the piece. Lifting up the slab while somebody crawls underneath to put the insulation down is really, really yeah. expensive. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you got to find somebody who you just don't really like that much that's doing the underneath <laughs> the slab thing. So I think there are, co there are commitments that we make to the building that are, are not, repeatable, replaceable, and there's things that we can say, yeah, that's a fair trade, right? So I think that there's a, you can replace the furnace, right? But, um, and that's easy, but you can't replace the ducts that are buried in the ceiling. So all that is part of it. And I think you're right that, you know, production housing in, in this state, in this area, are pretty, pretty, pretty bad. And I look at houses all over the country, and, and we don't do as good a job as we should. And, there's and maybe because it's stuff. a dry climate, they get away with it. There's, yeah. there's certain techniques that if this was in Oregon or maybe the Northeast, they would not be able to perform in, at this level. Initially, yeah, I think that that's true. I thought that if you had uh, people get kind of complacent in Arizona, they're like, why do you care about the windows? Who cares? Yeah. Like, Because I have an $800 a month electric bill. And they go, oh, does that matter? And you're like, yeah, kind of <laughs> does. So air tightness and all that. But we have dusty dust, right, blowing mm -hmm. in when the, when the whoops come through. We really have a, a lot of things here that are really uh, analogous to other climates. I grew up in Minnesota, so we were really doing this kind of stuff a long time ago because otherwise you die. You freeze solid, right? Mm -hmm. you got people sitting on the sidewalk and they're just locked up and waiting for spring and then when it comes they're fine again it's interesting but but here we feel complacent and i think that that's the risk that this is the fastest growing part of the country mm -hmm. and the most expensive energy rates if you look what texas is doing now 
they're get people are getting bills for six and seven thousand dollars for the energy they used, and you're like, wow, what what should that teach me about? Could that happen in Arizona? Could it happen in California, Nevada, the southern states where everybody wants to move? I want to be in a place where my electric rates go up proportionally, uh, but not exponentially. Well, what's interesting, you bring up the point, Mark, about dust, right? And you think about here, we have valley fever, which anyone that's not familiar, I mean, that comes from as you move dust. the soil and dirt, right? And and this causes illness, it causes sicknesses to the people that live here, and there's a lot of allergies. And so what happens is when you don't have a tight home, when it's not built correctly, and the dust and particles get in, and now think with COVID, as people are spending more time at home, they're working from home, their kids are doing homeschool, everyone's in this, in this confined space, and if it's not a healthy space, if you're not looking at that, it can create health issues, which we're already trying to hide from by staying at home, right? That's yeah. the intent here. Yeah. And so it's really important to think about that, about how we're building these homes and, and, and the health of the people that end up residing there. This episode is brought to you by Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove. For over 75 years, Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove has specialized in refrigeration, cooking, and dishwashing that can be found in some of the world's most luxurious homes. At AFT Construction, we look forward to crafting our client's dream kitchen when building the home of their dreams. To get this process started, we locate the nearest showroom and set up an appointment. It's that easy. Since Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove specializes in three major categories, we can make all of our kitchen selections in one stop. The first one is that Sub-Zero handles refrigeration. They are the preservation specialist. Key features included fresher, longer dual refrigeration, advanced air purification, precise temperature control, customized modular design. This ensures tastier, healthier food and eliminates waste so that the food stays fresher longer. Second is that Wolf is the cooking specialist. Key features include precise heat control, predictable, consistent temperature, intuitive controls, and easy-to-use technology. Everything is designed with you in mind. These features enhance flavors of food, ensure consistency, and eliminates guesswork. Delicious results every time. And last but not least is Cove, the cleaning specialist. Key features include precise water flow, superior drying conditions, fully adjustable interior for every need, and so quiet it never interrupts. Not only are all products functional and reliable, they look great, truly built to last. To schedule an appointment at your nearest Sub-Zero Wolf & Cove showroom, visit subzero-wolf.com backslash showroom or click the link in our show notes below. Well, and I wanted to go right there. So, you know, if we don't have you motivated about um, the environment, then let's think about your own personal health. Right. And so one of the things that we all know is that one of the least healthy places you could be is in your home, right? The worst air quality actually is in our homes, not in Mark's future home. But um, so can you talk to us a little bit about um, the healthy aspects of building this way? Yeah, that's a great question, Renee. And I think, I think part of it is our lifestyle, right? When we look at what we bring into the house, right? I get chemicals and sprays and I got a I got candles, I got little these weird air fresheners that plug in the wall and they make the place <laughs> yeah. smell like a cabin. You're like, what is that? And you're like, I don't know, but it smells kind of good. And you're like, yeah, actually, it's probably not that Super good. Super toxic. So, probably not that good for you. So <laughs> they say that the reason why our houses are more toxic is a bit to do with lifestyle. The second part is that um, what you bring in and what you can't control you bring in is what, what you had brought up about, about the outdoor environment. And it's really, you, you don't catch a cold being outside, right? You catch cold being indoors. And so now it's filtration and ventilation. Uh, there's a fellow, Dr. Hernandez, who's a professor at, at CU Boulder, just came up with a study in schools. And he did a whole study throughout. Uh, this just came out last week. And he said, when we looked at ventilation and filtration in schools, children's um, uh, 
attention spans improved. Their grades improved by not being exposed to uh, what they consider to be incredibly unhealthy conditions. And he did a report, I think he did 30 schools and just in Colorado, in Denver Marketplace, and he said he, they were amazed at how poor the quality of the schools were and how when they were well ventilated, almost near hospital grade, he said the, uh, uh, the kids, less, less illnesses within the kids, they didn't spread illnesses back and forth. And it said that their attentions and their and their grade scores improved because they didn't have excessive levels of carbon dioxide in the, in the buildings. Hmm, that's amazing. This, that research was done in Canada 20 years ago and said if you give kids fresh air and you give people fresh air um, and you filter it to keep out the dust and the particles and that, and then you make the building free from mold by flashing it properly and don't let the rain get into wood and paper stuff, the building will be a stunningly healthy place to be. And COVID just introduced us to the idea mm -hmm. that there's this thing I can't see that has the potential of putting me at risk. I don't like that, right? It's this little teeny particle floating around, and by wearing a mask, it helps protect me, I think. So if that helps protect me, should I have something similar in my house? And I think we've all gotten to a place where we're going, you know what, if I could go home, and that was my sanctuary, as you were saying, my home should be my greatest healthy place. Mm -hmm. I should walk in home and go, oh, I'm so glad I got out of that wherever I was. And uh, like Costco. As long as I got <laughs> out of there, and I'm sorry, I love Costco, it's fine. Um, but it, as long as I get to go home and go, this is the healthiest place I can be. My children are here. I love that. And I think people, if you think of it that way, you'd go, as, as Renee just mentioned, you go, instead of it being the least healthy place, you'd go, I can't wait to go home. And I feel better, I sleep better, I'm more alert, I like that. And, and that is just facts about human biology. If you reduce the exposure of those unknown toxins, you're, you feel better. So if you eat better, you drink good water, and you breathe healthy air, shouldn't you feel better? And you do, but mm -hmm. you gotta plan for it. Yep. So you mentioned water. So what are your plans for water in the house? How are you um, creating healthy water in your home? Yeah, there's a filtration system. We're kind of working on that right now. There's some really cool innovation where I'm trying to minimize things like uh, RO systems are really wasteful in water. So there's a lot of new technology about better filtration that doesn't have to flush the the RO systems, which dump as much as they as they clean. So we're looking at some new innovation there. So we're still in the process of picking the right one, and um, and I think also on just the water side, as I mentioned about the the use and quantity of it. So all of those things uh, will have high high efficiency filtration, just a really good what they call HEPA filter, high efficiency particulate uh, air filtering, and then we'll have ventilation, which will provide an exchange of fresh air at the minimum code, which is currently. Um, a few CFM, about 60 cubic feet of, of fresh air per minute um, to continually be washing the house with fresh air. I'll recover the energy from that and filter it before it gets in. So it's not extreme. It's just really cool. And this technology has been around since the early 80s. I worked with the first ventilation systems and filtration in early to mid 80s before you were born. <laughs> he wasn't even born. That just makes me crazy. Um, but I think that there's a lot of technology that we're not experimenting with. This is really good off the shelf stuff people can be confident in. And we're trying to be innovative, of course. But well, and, fun. and part of this whole journey is we're going to share what we learn along the way. So we want to help people understand what we're learning and finding out and, and spread the word about that. I agreed. Yeah. And that's what's so helpful with you. You're, you'll, you'll make such an impact because people listen to you. I think you've got such a wonderful publication and such a great story and message that People say, I, I really trust what you're saying, oh, and I you. believe that your mm -hmm. integrity shows, and so that's the reason why you're putting a story out there that you believe in, and I think that's important because we want people to do the right thing, right? And so in this weir weird world of 
I don't know what the media is talking about. We don't have to go there, right? It's not about politics. It's not about anything else other than good information about what makes us uh, healthy, happy, and safe. And that's what you've done. And I'm really, you know, like the stuff you have on food is so cool. I look at that, I go, oh, that, I got to have that. And you know, the thing is, thank you so much for that, Mark. I really appreciate it. You know, we are super passionate about what we do at Iconic, but really all three of us, you know, we've all three got the microphone, literally. We've literally got three, you know, incredible platforms that we can be sharing this. And when you come to it, you know, with purity of heart, right? And with real intention of creating change. So, you know, it was interesting, quick digression, but at the beginning of COVID, you know, we all had the thought of, you know, how do we make an impact? How do we make a difference? What are we going to do? And I'm not a nurse. I can't go, you know, run into a hospital. And there were a lot of things I couldn't do, um, you know, to make things better around the world. But I just decided, you know what, I can do what I can do within what my talents are. And I'm a magazine publisher, so I can spread the word. I can be a storyteller. I can awesome. be an advocate. I can put things in front of people. And so, you know, for all of us to be able to use that, our platforms to, you know, help people learn, I think that's what's going to make this a great journey. And I will tell you, at the end of 12 months, I'm going to have to build a sustainable home. Yeah. I'm reading so much, there's no, I can't even, I can't even barely live where I live right now. So. <laughs> so well, well, here's the fun part too. I mean, Mark mentioned this when he was speaking about the production builders, you know, their boards are challenging them. How can we build homes that are more sustainable? And so we looked, you know, as, as I talk with builders and they say, well, you know, going back to the cost thing, well, in, in some cases there's incurred costs, you know, in some it may be break even because you have, you know, some ads here, but some deletes here. But the reality is a lot of the vendors want to participate. There's, you know, there's a lot of companies that, that want to be part of something that's sustainable and, and they want to make an impact and they want their name associated with that. And so as we reach out to vendors and other companies, they want to participate. We're totally. fortunate through you, Renee, a lot of your connections, yeah. through Mark, through, through ones I've made, the, between the three of us, we have a lot of amazing brands that are participating in this project. And, and, and really, they want to be part of this to show that it can be done and there's some great incentive to do so. And, and so that's great for just other builders and other um, you know, clients as they're thinking about doing this in their home will reach out to these companies because they're willing to help. Yep, absolutely. And it's also, you know, they want to let people know how they can be part of the solution as well. So Brad, as we have been on this, and you've been on this journey for a while, because you guys have been in planning and drawings and things like that for, you know, a year mm -hmm. or longer on this home. How has this project already had an impact in your life and how you look at your business and building? Well, it's interesting. We, you know, we were fortunate right before I met Mark, I had attended some of his courses and, you know, it's something that I, I, I'll give a cheer to social media. I mean, as much as the downfall of social media, the one thing I've seen is being a young business owner, it really inspired me to, to look at my company. How are we doing things? How are we building? Why are we not doing better? You know, as Mark said, you know, there's things that I was taught early in my life, early in my career that for sake of a better word are wrong. Like there's better ways to do that. There's better products out there. And so social media has inspired me to do better. And then when you start sitting with Mark and you understand, okay, and you start working with him and the architects and the engineers behind this and what, what their thought process is, you know, well, this is inspiring because now how can we take that pattern? How can we take that blueprint and now implement that with our other clients and speak to them and educate them? Because now we're not only do, doing it with Mark's home, but now all of our clients, you know, they're asking about this. So this is really important. And then, you know, Delos is another company we've been working with. It goes yeah. back to what Mark was saying, where they evaluate the water table, they evaluate the water and they create filtration systems. And then they do the energy efficiency and they look at circadian lighting, you know, and how the lighting can impact us as we were talking uh, early on, you know, as you're trying to go to sleep and you have your iPad at night, you know, why, how are we disengaging and, and really turning that off and, and, and living in a more healthy environment. And so these are things that I feel have inspired me and definitely our company of how can we take this to the next level. 
Absolutely. Well, and your social media platform is incredible. I mean, you are a rock star in social media. We're all, everybody in town is watching Brad going, what the heck is he going to do next? <laughs> um, because you've been doing such a great job at that platform. You are reaching so very many people with great messaging and great education. I mean, your podcast and your videos are very educational. I mean, you've got a lot of content that you're putting out there. Well, thanks to you. I'm surrounded by Renee and Mark, so it <laughs> yeah. makes it easy. Well, I think there's another two things that's really amazing. Actually, if, if you look at what, Renee, you have to find a way, as you've done, is that when the consumer makes a choice, then Brad's job's easy. Right. If he has to then again convince someone that they don't what they don't know they what they don't know they don't know, is always difficult, right? So so on the platform, if we don't do both, because you have to from this learning experience, you'll have to get your trades to go. Oh, that really it. wasn't that hard. Yeah. And and actually, I overbid that a little bit. I added some padding because I didn't know what to expect. But when I got there, it was like that wasn't so bad. So so when you've got people saying to their builders, "This is what I want," the builder on the other end goes, "Oh." because I'd love to do that. Most people say no, or they say it's t too much or something else. So as you as you make sure that both platforms are successful, homeowners and, and people spending their money every month, the largest investment you make, we should know more about that, right? Mm -hmm. I can learn more about a car than I can about a house. I walk to the house, go, wow, this is really pretty. I'll take it. And I'm like, wait a minute. You don't even know how this was put together, and you're ready right. to take that kind of investment, you know, whatever the price point is, without knowing more about it. So I think this is the platform where you're able to say, folks, you should pay attention to this. This matters. It's not just about one item. It's about your investment and your family and your life. And so if you make that choice, next time you go find a builder, you're going to ask really key questions and say, do you know anything about that? And if the builder goes, nah, you don't have to worry about that. You're not my builder. Absolutely. And that's the choice that'll change. And then some of the builders going to go, wow, I lost two clients by being ignorant to the change in the industry. Maybe I better jump on some social media. Maybe I better pay attention. And that's how the industry changes. Because it's always easy to say, no, it costs more. It's really hard. My sub said they're not going to do it. I've, I just got done with a, a project last week in, in Houston, a very large national builder. Um, his heating contractor said, yeah, I tried that technology a few years ago, and it didn't work for me. So if you make <laughs> me do it, I'm going to quit. So I was like, you're going to quit? What do you mean quit? And so we got on the phone and we Gosh. talked with him about it. And he goes, okay, maybe I didn't know what I was talking about. And he said, so I just, change is a pain in the rear end and I don't really want to do it. I'm like, I know. We all say we're amazing at change until someone asks you to do so, right? Right. So what he wants to do is I want to stay the course, not do anything different as long as I can because change is painful. But if you change is really the most wonderful thing there is, right? The only constant is change. So if you adapt to change and you would accept it, you'll be the innovator. The person that Brad's going to go, I want that guy or that person or that, that group because they really are being innovative and creative. They're not coming to me with just high prices, but with innovation and solutions. That's what business is all about. And you're doing such a great job on that end. You're doing such a great job on the social side. You're saying, I'm going to teach my industry to be better at business and you're teaching consumers how to make better choices. What a beautiful mix you two have created. I think it's wonderful. Well, hopefully we get people asking the right questions, and we help to really um, build out that why. Like, why care? Why do this? Why invest? Why spend the time? But, you know, it's really why not, why not? at this point. So um, well lots of great stuff. Okay, so I got to just dash off to something here real quick. So um, we've talked a lot about the building. We've talked about some of the healthy living What's happening in the interior space? You know, we also know that interiors can provide, um, you know, 
poor air quality, you know, things that are off-gassing and things like that. How are you addressing some of the soft goods and some of the interior selections in your home? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked because the great folks at K&Q, they've, just, uh, they've been awesome. They're um, awesome. Stacey and Casey are just amazing. Um, but we've done things like like carpet is one of the most horrible things you can put into a house, to be honest with you. it uh, they, There was a study that was done that said uh, after 15 years, carpet can weigh twice its originally installed weight. Ugh. And so that's something you're like, you know, <laughs> you got your baby crawling around on the carpet. You're like, don't do that. So we have these really nice uh, wood floors going and then we'll use rugs that can be either cleaned or removed or replaced right so all the floors will be hardwood trying to minimize those kind of soft goods that create the uh, place for that to harbor right so then we've also looked at places that are easier to clean surfaces that can be wiped and 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 be in uh, good shape so that you don't have the potential for things to 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 to, to linger. It's also about managing water because water is our biggest enemy. 80% of building litigation and failures is caused by the mismanagement of water, whether it's from your sink linking down behind the sink and rotting underneath the cabinet um, to what gets in the walls you don't find. Uh, there's houses in here that in this city that I've walked through and went, wow, this place is really musty. I thought you don't get any rain. So that complacency of saying, you don't really have to worry about it. When it gets in, it's fine. It isn't fine. And so with warmth and moisture, you get mold. So let's build really good buildings that on the inside are really careful with the materials that we select. We're trying to use low VOC paints, for example, volatile organic compounds are just things like the, the odors that are in things. We've got low VOC paints, finishes, hardwood floors, really kind of cool things that should be easy to clean, easy to maintain, but also not subjective to uh, to holding moisture as well. So those are all the great, it's a great question. And I think if we did more selections like that, and we're really careful when you when you look at what you go to the store and buy, people are like, mm-hmm. I can either buy this detergent or this method one or something else. You're like, why would you pick that? And you're like, because it says that it's got less stuff that maybe be maybe is harmful. Maybe I'll buy that. And I like watching those companies grow. The price point for that product is now the same. So if I've got an equal choice, more toxic or less toxic, and it's the same price, what would everyone choose? Absolutely. You always choose less toxic. And look at what we spend for things like organic food, right? We had before, a head of organic broccoli was $4 a head. And now you're like, it's not that much more, but I don't care. I really care about the stuff I'm going to buy. So if my food matters... My water matters, my air matters, and then the lifestyle inside the house matters. Keeping the floors vacuumed, taking care of all those things do, does matter. And um, so we can have our pets, but we just have good filtration. You change filters. Do you know most people in Arizona don't even know they have filters? They're like, where's my furnace filter? And you're like, I don't know. Well, they put it up in the attic so you can never get to it. So now you really don't know how to change that. So imagine making all those things accessible. That What's my responsibility? And how can I take that? And we're going to try to show that here that it's really easy to service. I, I think it's weird that we put our furnaces in the attic so that nobody can fix them. Um, so our <laughs> furnace is going to be right next to the laundry room, really quiet and easy to service. Walk in and go, oh, there's the filter. And you change it and put a new one in and go, oh, that's better. Oh, that sounds like such a great idea. It's a death-defying situation for me to change the filter at my house. You've got to get the big ladder out. So, <laughs> so um, Brad, walk us through the timeline. So this is officially our kickoff week of the Net Zero Iconic Home. And so we are... Um, We've got a, we're just launching this journey and we've got all sorts of content that we're going to be putting out there, but walk us through the timeline of where are we today and where are we going to end up? Absolutely. So our goal is March. We're looking at early mid-March, you know, we're waiting on just a few little things from the city, from the county, you know, as they're finalizing, you know, the plans that we've submitted. So our goal is to break ground here in a few weeks in March and uh, we're targeting 14 months, probably a little less, but one of the benefits is, is that every, every month and every week we're going to be produce, producing video content that's going to showcase you know, the, the transition from where we are to not nice, beautiful desert 
lots of how it's going to transition into this build that's going to tie into the mountainside and and again use that landscaping that's natural and as mark mentioned with the water so it's going to look look amazing when it's all done and over this course which is even better mark's going to have his home open you know for the year after construction and so you know a lot of um, our vendors a lot of the the participants you know from a sponsorship side and and others that are involved in this building process are going to be able to tour this home and see it finished and see the design from kq and see what 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 mark has done and and you know of course what you're going to be broadcasting from your side renee so yeah we're looking at 14 month build right now hopefully less i know mark and yeah. are are targeting for less but we're trying to be realistic but somewhere in that 12 to 14 months you know based on labor and and manpower and supplies and everything else involved yep yeah. awesome so um so let's just kind of go from this so um so iconiclife.com is going to be a hub for all of this we are launching um on the 24th of february our webpage, which is going to link back to all of your assets brad and all of your assets mark and so let's sort of just walk through so brad where can people find all the great stuff you're doing so definitely make sure you're following us on Instagram at AFT Construction, AFT underscore construction. Uh, LinkedIn as well. We're going to be posting a lot on LinkedIn at Brad Lovett. So that's my page, not really the company page. And then YouTube, if you search AFT Construction on YouTube. And of course, you know, Facebook and our website, AFTConstruction.com. But, but more than anything, our YouTube and social media, that's going to be really driving the video content and everything we're doing with Mark and, and yourself, Renee. Awesome. And Mark, where can they find all of your content? Well, we have uh, my company's called Construction Instruction. So that's really easy. It's, it's just constructioninstruction.com. We have an app that's free and there's over 10,000 assets. That app's been in the market for 12 years and it's uh, learning information. There's videos and all that kind of uh, information. And then also a professional builder has a little piece on it, uh, Desert Comfort, which is in that uh, Builder Trade magazine. But most of it's going to be through Construction Instruction or through you guys. They're the most uh, visible place they're going to find it is there. And uh, I'll be uh, you know, getting to participate in watching fun things transpire in the 10 months that it'll take to do this. <laughs> yeah. Brad and I are negotiating <laughs> on this time that he's like, oh, dude, you don't, you're not going to do it. So it's really fun. It wouldn't you be a client-builder relationship without that 10 to 14 months. <laughs> you know what I love it? All of a sudden, you know, there's the planning, the planning, the planning, but the, as soon as the as soon as soon you break ground, when's it going to be done? Exactly. Yeah, can, the, I, can I have Christmas there? And you're like, no, you're not going to be in there for Easter if you're lucky. So anyway. Oh. Well, so, and I want to let everybody know, so iconiclife.com is where we're going to aggregate all of this. So we've already got, um, what we built out um, is links uh, to your podcast and to your video, and then we're going to have a social media feed on that page that actually um, um, is going to have a hashtag attached to it, which is net zero iconic home. And so every time the three of us and everybody uses net zero iconic home, um, it'll actually populate to that um, conglomerated feed. So all of our feeds are going to actually go together so that people can have a place to be able to see all this content. Here's the thing, folks, for everybody who's listening, if at the end of this journey at the, you know, a year from now, if you think that you don't know more about sustainability and building a net zero home and living a healthy life and being good to the environment and, you know, thinking green, um, you've just not been paying attention because you've been they're missing out. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot coming. So I am so grateful Brad, for you, for your partnership, for your co-hosting today, Mark, so grateful that you've brought us along on this journey Thank and you're you. building this amazing home that we all get to learn from. And I am super excited. So on that note, we are kicked off, folks. Let's do it. Let's, let's do it. Let's go. We got so much work ahead. So it's going to be amazing. Let's Thank go. You both. Thank you. So thank you all for tuning into the podcast today. And just as a recap, if you check the show notes, they're just going to have all the links for the topics that we discuss. And also one of our favorite features now is the chapters that go through the conversation. So if there's certain topics you want to revisit or listen to, 
They're outlined by the time that we discuss those. And again, we can't thank you enough for all of your support. Please make sure and download our podcast, subscribe, give us a five-star rating and review wherever you download your podcast.